Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. Shortly after the Maccabean Wars, the Jews sent out ambassadors into the surrounding countries for the purpose of asserting their claim to be an independent people. Ambassadors were sent out and embassies were set up And because of that, word got out to the surrounding nations that there was some divine intervention that had occurred in the land of Israel to set the Jewish people free. And because of this divine intervention, there were a lot of people who had an interest in what happened and they wanted to know about this God that would actually intervene in people's lives, who would set them free from oppressors and from tyranny. They wanted to know this God and so... The ambassadors responded as best they could, but eventually they had to call for some help. And so rabbis were sent from Israel into the surrounding nations for the purpose of establishing synagogues to respond to this interest that people had. There was a need for good teaching. There was a need for the scriptures. And so copies of the scriptures were sent out into the surrounding nations. And there were rabbis that established synagogues. Normally they would bring ten other men and perhaps their families with them in order to establish these synagogues, and then people would be assimilated into the synagogue and into the Jewish community that would be established. When people did that, when people responded to what they heard, and they turned to the Jewish rabbis who were there teaching in their area, when people decided to believe and trust in this God, they would For the most part, they would have to separate from their communities. In general, they would have to do that because the lifestyle that was required in order to live in obedience to the commandments as the rabbis were teaching, as the Pharisees were teaching, in order to do that, you would generally have to separate from the community and become a part of the Jewish community that was established so that you could live a life of observance of the commandments so that you could live a life obeying the commandments that were given through Moses. In order to accomplish this, you would have to join with others, for the most part, in order to make this reasonably practical. So this was a serious decision that people would have to make in these other nations. In order to really embrace the God of Israel, they would in many ways have to turn away from the communities and the nations that they were a part of, at least from a social point of view and from a religious point of view, if they were in an area that was considered to be religious in terms of the paganism that a lot of people lived under. The Lord Jesus spoke about these circumstances in Matthew chapter 23, verse 15, where it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. That, of course, was a very strong statement, but he at least did recognize their efforts. He recognized their sincerity. It's just that the end result was not exactly what 
he hoped they would achieve. Instead, the purpose of his ministry, of course, showed us that he hoped that the objective of the law would be fulfilled, which was to drive a person to the point of absolute despair so that they would be willing to receive the grace of God. But instead, what the Pharisees were teaching was that you were to live a life of obedience to the commandments, obedience to the law, not to live a life according to the grace and mercy of God. Those are two completely different things. But what I want you to consider is the fact that there were many people who were then converted to Judaism. Now, the people who were not part of the nation of Israel were called the Gentiles. And this is just a simple word that means people who are from the other nations, another nation besides the nation of Israel. Those are the Gentiles. And they, of course, had an obstacle in becoming a Jew because they would have to separate in many ways from their communities. But, you know, living in other nations would also create new complications, new challenges, because in order to live in obedience to the law of Moses, you have to be in Jerusalem three times a year in order to observe the commandments of God, specifically the commandments related to the festivals. And so living in the surrounding areas would make that difficult. In addition, you would not have reasonable access to the temple, and so providing a sacrifice or an offering, giving your tithes, things like that, would be even more difficult. So there were some accommodations that were made, but these were more compromises rather than accommodations in many ways, because what the Pharisees would teach in order to allow the Gentiles to live where they were living and still become Jews, effectively become proselytes, what they were teaching were things that were contrary to the Mosaic Law. In other words, they were telling the proselytes that they could break the Mosaic Law. Now, not all proselytes believed this. Many of them did actually pack up and move to Israel and live in the land of Israel so that they could observe the Mosaic Law in the way that God required. In fact, there's a synagogue mentioned in the book of Acts, the synagogue of the freedmen, which was a synagogue that was, for the most part, exclusively composed of proselytes. And there, of course, is a lot to say about why there would be a specific synagogue for the proselytes versus them being allowed to assimilate within the other synagogues. There's a lot to be said about that. And I did talk about this in the verse-by-verse study I did on the book of Acts. But in this program, what I would like to emphasize is not so much the challenges that the proselytes had, but instead what I would really like to talk about is the problems that the Jews would face when they would come to discover who the Messiah is. Because when you discover the gospel and you discover the implications of forgiveness and how that will set a person free from the Mosaic law, when you consider things like that, then it can be helpful to understand the implications of this in people's lives, especially because it would be different for a Gentile as it would be for a Jew. For example, with a Gentile, if they discover that they've been set free from the law, if they are still in the Gentile world, well, then they can now rejoin the community. They're not going to be separated from the community in the way that they would be in order to observe things like the dietary laws and other laws that are related to cleanness and uncleanness found in the law. So they would find it easier to let go of the law when they embrace the new covenant. They would find it easier than a Jew would. Because for the Jew, for the Israelite, they would have to abandon their communities. They would have to abandon their synagogues. 
and this could result in serious consequences in the lives of the people, in the lives of the Jews, who would embrace the new covenant, especially in the way that the Apostle Paul taught. So this is what I want you to understand, is that for the Gentile to embrace Judaism and then discover who the Messiah is and mature to the extent where they would let go of Judaism, that wouldn't be all that difficult. But for a Jew who is a part of the nation of Israel and their livelihood may very well be attached to the religious beliefs of the people in their area, their involvement and their place in the community may depend a lot on how they observed the law or how they didn't observe the law. For them to embrace the new covenant in the sense that they would discover that they have been set free from the law in order to live a new way of life, that would be a serious obstacle. And in many cases, it would be considered to be unacceptable because the cost of believing such things may be too high. A person may be unwilling to acknowledge the truth, let alone live according to the truth. They may not be willing to acknowledge the truth because of the consequences that they would experience from a social point of view. For many people, they would actually have to leave the country in order to start a new life for themselves because the lives that they had before they came to know that Jesus is the Messiah could very well likely be attached to the religious infrastructure that was there. And so I want you to understand that the early church had some serious obstacles, had some very serious obstacles. Now, for the church that was in the Gentile world, it was serious, but not as serious as it was for the church in the Jewish world. And so I'm going to be spending some time talking about the differences that they would experience. And this is really important to understand because when the Apostle Paul left the nation of Israel and went out into the Gentile world, his ministry was different, was very different from the ministry of the apostles who remained in Jerusalem, who remained in Israel and continued to teach the people there. Was a different ministry in effect the people would respond differently. The people would be able to embrace the new covenant a lot easier than the people who were in Israel because of the social and economic implications and consequences of what they believed and how they lived their lives. Now, when it came to the church in Israel, the church in Jerusalem especially, when it came to the Jews who embraced Jesus as the Messiah, we can go into the book of Acts and we can discover that for the most part, they did not embrace the new covenant. I have done an extensive verse-by-verse study on the book of Acts. I would like to encourage you to listen to that study, perhaps listen to that before you continue with this series of programs that I'm presenting right now, because I go through a significant amount of background in order to make a statement like this. But because I don't want to take the time to redo everything that I did back then, I'm just going to proceed with this initial statement to say that the early church, the Jewish church, those people who were not part of the Gentile world or who were not proselytes, they had a serious problem embracing the gospel. They would have a serious problem with that. Even if they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that's great. But the implications of that belief, the consequences of that belief, the implications of believing in forgiveness and trusting in forgiveness, those are some pretty serious implications. They had a difficult time when it came to embracing the new covenant 
whereas the believers in the Gentile world would find it much easier because they wouldn't have the same consequences. You see, the problem is not the truth for many people. That's not usually the problem. People may argue this or that or that or this. They may argue about things. They may argue about what is true or what is not true. And hopefully, if you've argued enough, you've discovered that in many cases, people cannot be argued into a different position. You may win an argument, and yet the person may still not concede that what you have said is true, at least true enough for them to embrace it for themselves. And the reason why is not because of the truth, but it's because of the consequences of believing that truth. What is going to be the effect in their lives? What's going to happen in their lives if they concede that you're right? And that consequence or that collection of consequences may be more than what they would be willing to bear. And so there are people who will just simply live in denial of the truth in order to get through that. It's a way of coping with the complications of all the consequences that a person might need to embrace. So when it came to the church in Jerusalem versus the church in the Gentile world, there were opportunities for differences because of the differences in the consequences of believing certain things. Now, the Apostle Paul, for the most part, went out into the Gentile world. He did spend time in the Jewish world, and in fact, whenever he would go into the Gentile world, he would always go to the synagogues. That would normally be his first stop, to stop at the synagogues in the Gentile world. And these synagogues were the synagogues that had been established perhaps a 100 or 200 years prior. They had been established for the purpose of reaching out to the Gentiles who had an interest in wanting to know the God who had set the Jews free during the Maccabean Wars. And so there could very well likely be a few generations of people who were a part of those synagogues, but still, the Apostle Paul went to the Jews, who were probably proselytes, in those areas, and he ministered to those people, and then he ministered to the other people who were not part of the synagogue, but were still Gentiles. The apostles who remained in Jerusalem and who did not go out into the Gentile world, they were consistently ministering to the Jews, for the most part. And so there were opportunities for differences. And I want you to know that those differences, from what I can tell, were for the most part never resolved. And I, of course, spent a lot of time talking about that when I went through the verse-by-verse study on the book of Acts, so I'm not going to talk about it now. But I will take a few minutes at least to read through Acts chapter 15 in order to try and describe in a short period of time the differences that existed between the Apostle Paul those who ministered with him, and the church in Jerusalem. Beginning in Acts chapter 15, verse 1, it says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. Now the first thing I want you to see is that people came from Judea, they came from Jerusalem, and they had an opinion, they had a position concerning circumcision and living according to the laws of Moses. 
and their position was strong enough and their own beliefs that they were willing to go out into the Gentile world and assert this position among the Gentiles to the point where they will say, I don't think you can be saved unless you live your life in this way. Unless you live according to the law of Moses, I don't think you can be saved. So Paul and Barnabas spoke with them about this, and there was a serious dispute, and they took the position that Paul and Barnabas needed to go to Jerusalem to be straightened out. Now, I believe that the reason why they sent Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem to get straightened out, or why they encouraged them to go to talk with the apostles and elders, you know, the people who should know about these things, the reason why is because they would know what they would say. They would know that this is what they believe. This is what they teach. That's why they would send Paul and Barnabas there. They're not going to send them there unless they know that the church in Jerusalem is going to straighten them out. Why would they send them someplace so that the church could enforce what Paul and Barnabas believes? That's my point, is that this was what the church in Jerusalem actually believed. And if you continue to read, you'll see more evidence concerning this. In verse 4 it says, And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. Now, this is Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, and the apostles and elders come together to consider this matter. I mean, why didn't they consider this matter before? Why is it that this wasn't considered in Acts chapter 2 or Acts chapter 3 or 4, for that matter? Why would they be looking into this matter now? Why would it be so serious and so significant that it would cause everybody to come together to discuss this? Because they never discussed it before. If they did, then they wouldn't bother doing it again. It wouldn't make any sense. So when it came to the church in Jerusalem, they did not understand the implications of forgiveness. They did not understand the new covenant. They still believed that a person needed to live according to the law of Moses. And what Paul was teaching was that we have been set free from that. We have been set free from the law so that we can live in a new and different way. We can live in a new way of life. That is not a life of indulgence of the flesh. Neither is it a life of living in obedience to the commandments of Moses. It is a completely different way of life. Now, as you continue to read, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas eventually speak about all the miracles and wonders that were happening in the Gentile world. In verse 12, it says, Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. But you know what? It didn't matter. As you continue to read, eventually when everybody was done, James speaks up and he gives a conclusion to that, which was effectively, don't worry about those Gentiles, they're just Gentiles. If they want to know the truth, they can go to the synagogues where Moses is read every Sabbath. So what's the problem? They're just Gentiles. And they sent Paul and Barnabas to the Gentiles. Now, you need to understand the implications of these conclusions. There were many serious implications, but just one of them is to understand that what the council decided was that Paul and Barnabas should go to the unimportant people 
and that they should leave the important people to them. The Jews. Leave the Jews to us. You go out and go ahead and talk to the Gentiles. Let's not bother them, you know, except for these other things, to do these things. And I can understand that. But the conclusion to the conflict was to take the position that they're just Gentiles. Don't worry about it. Let it go. Yeah, Paul and Barnabas could speak about all the miracles and wonders that occurred, but so what? Who cares? They're unimportant people when it comes to the real matters there in Jerusalem, when it comes to the real matters of the apostles and the elders and the real church. I mean, what's the big deal? They're just Gentiles anyway. That's the kind of attitude that was expressed here, as far as I'm concerned, from what I can tell. This was the attitude of the early church. And so Paul and Barnabas spoke about all the miracles and wonders, but that didn't matter. And I know that might sound a little surprising because sometimes people use miracles and wonders in order to support their beliefs. But that's only because they want to support their beliefs. If you present them with miracles and wonders that may be contrary to their beliefs, well, then they have to discount those. They have to pretend as though those things didn't happen, maybe. Things like that, because it's not the miracles and the wonders that make the difference. What makes the difference is whether or not a person is willing to accept the consequences of their beliefs. Are they really willing to accept the consequences? Do they really care about the truth enough that they will embrace whatever consequences may result of them taking a position that is different or contrary to what everybody else is believing? Jesus ran into the same problem. He performed many signs and wonders and miracles, but it didn't matter. Because people could not accept the consequences of believing in Jesus. The same thing happened in the early church. And so even though Paul and Barnabas spoke about the miracles, it didn't matter. It wasn't the real issue. The real issue was, are people going to live according to the law of Moses or not? When it comes to the Gentiles, who cares? But when it comes to the Jews, yeah, it can be an issue. It can be a serious matter. And when you examine Acts chapter 15, you will see this conflict. Now, this record is the record that Luke wrote. But this is not the record of what Paul had to say about this meeting, of what Paul had to say about these conclusions. It's not a record of that. If you want to know what Paul thought about what happened in Acts chapter 15, you're going to have to read something else. And in this case, the something else is the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians. The letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians is his account of what he saw here at this council meeting that was described by Luke in Acts chapter 15. And the Apostle Paul had quite an attitude concerning what happened here. He did have a bit of an attitude. He had some things to say that many people would have a serious problem with, especially if you take a good look at Galatians chapter 2, which of course I will, I want you to understand that the letter to the Galatians is for the most part the Apostle Paul's response to what happened at this meeting, and it is also his opportunity to assert his position, assert what he believes that is different from what the church in Jerusalem was believing and perpetuating. This is a very important letter that he wrote that was not written for the purpose of finding some common ground with the other apostles or the elders. It was a letter that was written in order to establish the gospel for what it truly is. 
So when Paul wrote his letter to the Galatians, he was writing this letter in order to respond to what the people were confronted with. And of course, what they were confronted with was the teaching that was coming out of the church in Jerusalem. Paul went up to Jerusalem in order to discuss these matters with the people there. Luke gives us his account. And in the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians, he gives his account. He explains the important issues that he believes need to be addressed. And I don't see any indication that there was an agreement concerning these issues with the church in Jerusalem, except, of course, that the church in Jerusalem told Paul and Barnabas to go ahead and go talk to the Gentiles, but effectively just leave the Jews to them. Now, is there any other indication outside of the book of Acts that the church in Jerusalem would feel that way, would believe that the Gentiles would effectively be unimportant? Is there any other indication concerning that? I do believe there is. When Paul went to speak with the church, with the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem, apparently the last person to speak, which means that he was the one who was considered to be the ultimate elder at that time, if they were following the rabbinical model, the last person to speak was James. And do we have any record concerning the beliefs that James had? Of course we do. We have the letter that James wrote in the New Testament. And I believe we should have this letter. I believe it should be included in the New Testament, even though there are a few things that I believe, depending, of course, on how you read what is written, are not necessarily correct. But that, of course, would be a study in and of itself to go through the book of James verse by verse. Instead, what I would like to mention right now is that if you take a close look at the first verse in the book of James, it will give you an indication that this was probably the attitude of the church in Jerusalem. In James chapter 1, verse 1, it says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. Now, why would he write to the twelve tribes scattered abroad? Because his interest was in the twelve tribes scattered abroad, not the Gentiles scattered abroad. There is, of course, a lot I can say about this, but I will have to continue in the next broadcast. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.